0: The most important thing is that you have a vision, that you have a goal. Because without that vision, without that goal, again, you're drifting around and you're never gonna end up anywhere. People don't become successful just by accident. You're gonna get your ass kicked. We're gonna get the shit kicked out of us. You gotta get up. You gotta have faith that the one thing you wanted to happen, oftentimes is the best thing that'll never happen. So have faith. Just keep that in mind. Keep plugging away. Never accept the limitations of someone else. Somebody told you that it's impossible. Don't even try. Give up before you even fucking try it for yourself. Never accept the the goddamn limitation that someone else has placed upon you. And now, FitnessInformant.com
1: presents the Iron Union Podcast. Let's go. Back inside the Iron Union Podcast, I'm your host, Fitness Informant founder and CEO, Ryan Buckeye coming at you from the HQ here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're gonna start the podcast a little bit differently on a somber note. Um, not, not the best news uh, I've received yesterday of my buddy John Meadows. And by now, if you are listening to this podcast, you more than likely have heard the news. Uh, John Meadows passed away in his sleep at the age of forty nine. Shocked is is really all I can say. Even even now, it's been a you know a day, and uh, you know I I've tried to go on with my day and, and do different things. I you know, record this podcast with Kathy Kemper, which is unbelievable. But by the way, I mean, you guys are going to really, really enjoy this podcast. She is insightful, uh, just really good stuff, especially if you're a competitor or a judge or somebody who just cares about the sport, you know, like John did. And um, it's just, it's it's tough, man, because I, I for some reason, unbeknownst to me, John liked me. He befriended me. We became friends. Uh, I, I will not sit on this podcast or any public domain and say that we were best friends. We didn't chat and text every single day, uh, but we checked in. Um, you know, I checked in on John as often as I could, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. John invited me to work out with him during the Olympia this year. We crushed some legs. It's on his YouTube channel. My wife at the time was 28 weeks pregnant. I mean, John was a genuinely nice human being. And that is, that's a lot for me because I judge people on their character. And you won't find, you won't find a single person on this planet with with higher sense of character and class than John Meadows. And as I sit and think about everything John has done for the sport of bodybuilding, for the industry that is sports nutrition, none of that matters. Yeah, John walked the stage at the Arnold. He finally won an Olympia this year as a coach. Missy Trucott and fitness and Sean Clarito and it, it, Clarita. It's just, you know, good stuff. Accolades in the sport that he loves so much. But there are things about John Meadows that are well above and beyond any medal, any stage, any fitness accolade. John was a man of God. He was a husband to Mary. He was a father to his two kids, twin boys, Alexander and Jonathan. And what hurts the most or what hit me the hardest is yesterday after I got the news early on, for some reason well before many people, I was thinking and speaking with my wife, thinking, like, what's the best way to show tribute to John? And as we were thinking, I get a text from G. And he says, I think you should show the sound clip about how he wants to be remembered. And the clip that I showed on Instagram was about forgetting the things that just don't matter. Focus on the things that do. Control the controllables. Family. Family being just a light, you know, being a good person. That's what was important to John. And John once told me that bodybuilding is great. He loves it. It's his passion. But when his time is up, he wants to be remembered as a loving father and a caring husband. John, you were more than that. You were a loving father. You were a caring husband. You were a beaming shine of light. You were a good Kind hearted person that touched the lives of so many people, whether they met you or not, whether they watched your YouTube channel, where they met you at an expo, where they got to train with you in Orlando. My wife barely met you, and you had a long withstanding impact on her. Life's not fair. You know, sometimes the good are gone. Far too soon, and at forty nine, you can bet your ass that is far too soon. And although at the you know at the recording of this podcast, I'm not sure what happened, but it doesn't even matter. What matters is the Meadows family is left without their father, without their husband. And if there's anything that we can do, or that this community of of, of bodybuilders of fitness enthusiasts, of wellness enthusiasts can do is come together and rally for John's family, for his wife Mary, for his kids, Alexander and Jonathan. Like, that's what we need to do. And that's what we're doing. Whether you met John or not, whether you liked John or didn't, which I'd be shocked because John was generally never a bad person to anybody. If you care about fitness... A tribute should have been shown to John Meadows via posts, via conversation, something. And if you didn't, shame on you. John made this industry better. John made this sport better. And John made the world better. He made me better. So John, for everything that you have done for the industry, for the sport, For people that you have touched, and for everything that you've done for me personally. Thank you, my friend. I am sure we will meet again at some point, but until we do, I'm sure you'll be up there clanging and banging like you've always done, looking over your two sons and your amazing wife. And looking over everybody else who cared deeply for you, because so many people did. Kathy Kemper is a head judge when it comes to the NPC. She has, is an IFBB pro. She is an awesome human being. And she shares some amazing knowledge on this podcast, and I'm so excited for people to hear. You want to know what the criteria is to win bikini? You want to know what it takes to win the open class? Well, we talk about that. You think judges are political? We talk about that. Can judges get it wrong? We talk about that. We literally talk about pretty much everything. And Kathy's an open book. She doesn't hold back. She shares her thoughts and feelings to the point where when she first started competing, she blamed the judges. And all it took was an understanding on what it is that they actually look for via the criteria set forth upon them by the committee in place. So, I'm going to quit talking. I'm going to get this over to Kathy and I. Enjoy the show. Hit the subscribe button. Follow us on social media. Let's go. Adding my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is 5% of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. I'm talking about business success education we want to do whatever it, takes. Whatever, it takes. whatever it takes whatever it takes whatever it takes for the last two decades we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry we've kept our heads down and worked we pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit but when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself Eventually, you realize that you were born and bred for this. The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, it just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. Back inside the Iron Union podcast with me is Miss Kathy Kemper. For those that may be unfamiliar, um, I'm going to let her kind of give her accolades because she's established bodybuilder, NPC judge. I mean, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Kathy, give us your, your resume within the fitness world. Oh, man. so
0: I, I started competing just over, up, up right at about 10 years ago. I've done 16 shows. Um, I did earn my IFBB pro status. I've done just one show as a pro. Um, I earned my pro status four years ago. I started judging in the NPC five years ago, I believe. Um, And since then have earned my national judging. It's not a certification. I was going to, you know, national judging level. And I'm also a head judge as well. My goal is to become an IFBB judge. That's kind of my next Goal right, but um, before competing, I you know, I went to school um, in the wellness world as an exercise science wellness major and was a personal trainer for many years in a gym. I've been in the fitness industry for I hate saying this, but about 25 years, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and so it's been, it's been my life, but in the NPC, IFBB bodybuilding world for just over 10.
1: It's pretty crazy. I mean, I think about bodybuilding, and I think about the different organizations, and there's natural, there's untested, there's whatever, right? Um, how did you, like, find your way? It, was NPC just always kind of your baby, your passion?
0: You know, I didn't – when I first started competing, I didn't have a clue. Sure. You know, I just – at the time, you know, there was an, – and he was an IFBB pro trainer at the gym I was going to who asked me, you know, have you ever competed? Have you ever mm-hmm. thought of competing? So that's kind of was my introduction into the sport. He, of course, being an IPV pro got me involved in the NPC. I didn't know any different, mm-hmm. quickly learned that that's where you want, I mean, you know, the Olympia is the pinnacle of the sport right. and going to be, you know, that's the IFBB and the only way to the IFBB is the, N- is the NPC, so.
1: Yeah, so can you, it's, it's a topic of conversation, people ask me all the time and I want I to want, get your, like, the difference between NPC and IFBB, people are like, what's the difference, what's the difference, so like, in your words.
0: So, the NPC is the Amateur League, it's the NPC worldwide, you know, it's obviously being in the United States, It's that's where I heavily compete and know, but it is a worldwide organization, mm-hmm. And the NPC stands for National Physique Committee, co- excuse me, National Physique Committee. Yep. A lot of people actually don't even know that, which I don't know how deep we'll get into everything today, but that's one of my first things when people compete, do you even know what NPC and IFBB stand for? Right. Like, like, you know, if you want to be involved in these organizations, learn about them. Right. But uh, the NPC is the amateur league that leads into the IFBB, which is the International Federation of Bodybuilding. Right. And that's your, that's the only way to get to the Olympia, which is the best of the best in the world. Yeah,
1: so. exactly. It's kind of like I tell people, it's like look, minor league baseball, professional baseball. Yep. I mean, in a nutshell, right? I mean, you cut your teeth in the NPC. Uh, if you're good, you can make it to the IFBB quickly, uh, which brings me to that topic. Like a lot of online forums and people have been kind of saying like, well, the IFBB now are just like hanging out pro cards, right? Like, like people are, are earning them easier than they ever have before. As a head judge, like, that's a unique position for you to, like, hear that, accept that, and and, I want you to, like, acknowledge it and, like, talk about that for a second if you could. You know,
0: so this goes back into a a, a lot of my passion comes into learning about the history of the sport, Mm -hmm. right? And when it all started, you know, men's bodybuilding is the, you know, where it all started from, and it's very hard to earn a pro card as a as a bodybuilder, you mm-hmm. had to win the USA's or win the nationals. And that was about it. Yeah. Standard almost kind of stays there. And as all these other divisions have started, Oh, you get a pro card at top two or, you know, win your class and men's bodybuilding doesn't get that. And so I think as a, you know, if you know the history of that as a male bodybuilder, it gets a little like it's easy for all these other divisions to just get pro cards because, I have to win an overall versus you can play second and get a pro card. But I don't know. At the end of the day, um, I I have a little mixed emotions on it. It's, you know, from the promotion side of it on the local level, it takes a lot of people out of your local shows being able to earn their pro status. And then they'll never compete locally again. Mm -hmm. So we need those pros to keep promoting and like encouraging local people to keep starting locally, you know? Um, But on the, and uh, I mean, at the flip side, if you've if you've truly been to a national level show and sat front and center, I'm not talking fifth row in center, I'm talking front and center. It's not easy. I don't care if you've got second place or first place. It's th- those national level events are they're tough.
1: It's a different level. I
0: I I don't make these rules. The rules of you know top two in this class versus overall in this class gets your pro card. I. I kind of wish it was a little more standardized, but just kind of is what it is. And you know, when a, when a new class is introduced, there's no pros. So they want to right. get pros in that division. So it's top two and, um, and then it usually just stays there. So, I mean, I don't disagree that, you know, I, I still always hold men's bodybuilding as the foundation of why I get to stand on the right. page and I have that respect for that division. And it, kind of keeps it a little more elite when it's harder to get a pro card. Yeah.
1: So. It's, you brought up a couple of interesting facts. Like, obviously, it started with men's bodybuilding, and, and this last year, Jake Wood purchased the rights to the Olympia. He's a huge advocate for, for female bodybuilders, right? Like, just has done so much for the sport. There's still a pay discrepancy, a major pay discrepancy, when you speak like the Olympia, right? If you win the overall as a men, you're making, I think, 400K. Maybe this year it's more. If you win bikini, it's, it's higher, but it's not what it was. So you mentioned, like, hey, bodybuilding – goes back to to male dominant initially what's your take on the discrepancy in terms of pay as a judge and then and then put your foot pad on as, as a competitor like cause I, they might be different
0: you know i think i and again i don't make these rules this is more just my own personal opinion right. um i i i probably will never be on a board where i help decide the prize money you know sure but no but i know it's I mean, I feel it's, it's very hard. I mean, and most people listening to this know that this sport is very expensive and you start competing actually, yeah. you, and, and if you're fortunate enough to become a pro at that level and now compete as a pro, I mean, you're spending thousands of dollars on a show. easily. And you, there is no way to make that money back mm-hmm. unless you are one of the best in the world and have sponsors. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to see. Yes. I, I don't, I, again, I still have that respect for the absolute like male bodybuilding. Again, that's where it started. That's why we all have the platform we have today. But I, uh, I mean, it's tough. I don't, it's not balanced at all in that sense, even with other men, male division, right. that the best in the world still can't live off that money. Right. You know, you see any other professional sport like that, but I don't, I don't make those rules. It's a lot of money that I don't have, you know, I don't have, <laughs> and I don't, put out in a, in the prize money. So I don't, it's it's tough, but yet it's still a lot of money. Like the prize money to be the best in the world, you do win thousands of dollars, but it's not 400,000. Yeah, You can't can't live on $25,000 a year and you need sponsors or you need a job then. Right.
1: right. It's interesting because right. I've always said, and not to sound like a prick, it's like a lot of people buy the tickets to see the open, like the open class, right? I mean, I mean, you got back in the day, like Phil versus Kai, like that was entertainment for people. And that would, right. that's what sells. I mean, tickets to the Olympia aren't cheap, 150 bucks or whatever it is last year. Thankfully, we get media passes, so that helps. But like, I mean, it's crazy. But I will say this about Jake. Like there was a time where some females didn't even have a table at the meet and greets. Like he has done – have- so much for them and he's going to continue to do some and a division that got created a couple years ago is like the wellness division now right which i actually personally really like Uh, i like the look of of the shape and everything that goes with it what did you have to learn as a judge you know in terms of okay you're used to bikini and figure now this is kind of somewhere in between how did those conversations go in terms of being a judge and being a chair it's like okay this is how we're going to judge this class
0: sure so um I want to take one step back and just say one more thing about prize money and such, you know, at the end of the day, it, I I think, you know, still at the end of the day, you have to compete because you love it. Mm -hmm. Money is the money and you have to understand you're going to spend money. Um, I, I mean, I don't know of anyone that would ever like not want to win the Olympia and doesn't really care about the money. Obviously it's, it's great, but but, you know, it is what it is. They've come a long ways and I think they're doing a fabulous job of trying to advance all of it. Yes. But, um, now as far as wellness, yeah. So obviously it started last year, but with everything that happened in the world, it (laughs) didn't. This year I feel is really the first year we're really seeing a lot of competitors, seeing pro shows, getting an idea of what those top, top, top pro judges want to see. And then that trickles down into national and local level judging and competitors. I love wellness as well. It's, Uh, very quickly becoming one of my favorite divisions. And I think it's phenomenal. Um, I've talked to a lot of bikini girls that were really having to try to hold their physiques back in unhealthy ways because they were were able – their bodies were just growing too much and they couldn't fit in that mold. But they weren't – they just didn't fit the figure either. There just wasn't really that place for them. So I think wellness is a very – um, very great division, very needed, very healthy. It's able, it's letting women, um, you know, not have to really force themselves into a mold that they don't fit. So I love it. It, you know, it's always a new division is always, and we're really still only in the first year of it, it's going to evolve and change and develop. I mean, you look back to when bikinis started you look back in the magazines and, I mean, the suits and the posing, all of it, you kind of, I mean, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you kind of laugh at, like, yeah, where right. it started, where it is now. Wellness, I think, is starting, I mean, it's phenomenal, but again, in another year or two, we're probably going to look back and say, okay, it was just, it was starting, and it's evolved, and it has more of it, like, set criteria and set look, but I think it's doing a great job of um, very much, um, hold, like, showing what it is what it wants and how it's different from bikini yet different from figure. I, I don't find it hard to, you know, the criteria to me is very straightforward and hopefully we'll get into that a little bit, but you know, if you don't fully understand the criteria, it can always be a little
1: confusing. But. Right. You mentioned like obviously 2020 when wellness started was kind of like a clusterfuck of a year, right? Like, I mean, it was, it, it took, you guys didn't have shows to judge. It took people out of the gyms. And I think the stats, like 79% of people that were impacted by COVID hospitalized or passed away were obese or overweight individuals. And so I preach, you know, obviously like trying to get in shape, but on the flip side, I posted a post, I don't know, several months ago of me when I was on my 30 plus week prep in the best shape that I was in. And I also posted like an obese individual. I said, neither one of these are healthy, right? I'm completely honest with it. Like I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't hold what I had at that point year round. It's not healthy. Correct. People come to you for advice, say, hey, I want to get into the sport. I want to get into the NPC." What real conversations do you have with them?
0: I think the best thing you can do is know that you want to do it for you. You might not fully understand everything that you're going to go through until you go through mm-hmm. it, but it's not for the pictures. It's not for the Instagram likes, which that's not wrong, but you've got to have a deeper meaning behind it or why than just wanting to like be able to post pictures or get, you know, get a certain status online. Again, that is not wrong. A lot of that comes along with it, but you got to want to do it for you either, whether it's the challenge of elevating your fitness level, you know, getting that lean, seeing how far you can push yourself, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, it, yeah, you got to want to do it for the right reason. Right. So that's one thing I always want to know from people. Like, did you just see it three months ago and want to do it? Or have you kind of been watching it for a year or two? And you're like, yeah, I really think this is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's hard. I, I say all the time when I have conversations with people, I do feel that there's a lot of very healthy things that come out of bodybuilding. Oh, for sure. A lot of- healthy knowledge with food and training. You know, a lot of people actually train less when they start doing a show. Sometimes they're just like training, like way too much Mm -hmm. and have to eat more and train less to let that muscle rest and grow and become what it needs to become. But you also get to the point where, yeah, you might not have pizza or cheat meals for 20 weeks or more. And not that that stuff's healthy, but it's not wrong to have those things either. But you just have to understand this is not, this is a show prep. We're not trying to get even, you know, as a female, we're not even trying to get below 20. Like we're trying to probably get below 10% body
1: mass. Mm-hmm.
0: That is, it's an extreme. It's an extreme sport. So the last two to maybe even six weeks, probably not the right. healthiest but you just have to know you want to make sure that you have a knowledgeable enough coach that can walk you and guide you through those things and let you know that, yes, this is needed. Um, at the end of the day, it's your body. If you feel too much, you need to let me know. And then we need to talk. Do you want to keep pushing or do you feel like you need to pull back for yourself and then understand you might not be lean enough on stage, but that's your toy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause yeah, my, you know, my husband has said too, he's like, you know, Standing on stage is not the healthiest you'll ever see, but it's an extreme. And... That's what we sign up for. Yeah, and I think too,
1: like I I said, like, I mean, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're doing it for yourself, are you willing to do whatever it takes to win? That's on you. I mean, you do whatever you need to do to get to where you need to be. Um, But you mentioned, like, have a good coach. Now, here's the issue with the advent of social media is everybody's an expert, right? So, like, you have an education. Uh, You went to a formal institution. You have a certification. I could go online and get a personal certification in in a weekend, okay? Um, I could show up to a show... place dead last, and all of a sudden now I'm an Instagram coach, and give bad advice, and you know, I, I think about my wife, her coach, I, I don't even know his name, but had her so low on calories and so much cardio that she, like, never recovered from that, never got her, her menstrual cycle back and things of that nature, like, that, that's, like, the extreme worst of it, so when seeking out a coach, not everybody can potentially have you, Kathy, right, you have a full list of clients, um, not everybody can have, like, my buddy Adam Sick. like, they can't have everybody they want, but, like, what what criteria do you have people who reach out to you follow to find a coach that's going to guide them in the right direction, whether it be sure. like health, mental health, etc. cetera.
0: Uh, so my first thing I would say with trying to find a good coach is have, try to have a conversation with them before him, or at least multiple emails. You should have a gut instinct. Will you, do you click with this person? Mm-hmm. All things aside, do you feel this person cares about you? not just another paycheck cares about you and wants the best for you. Right. I I do think that's very important now, obviously education and, and knowledge is a huge thing. Do your research. If it's someone who has not been in the industry or the fitness industry long, yes. Do they have an education? Now I don't feel that everyone needs that, but I mean, if someone's been in the fitness industry for 20 years, but maybe didn't go to college for it, that doesn't mean that right. they can't be, you know, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that don't have a specific fitness mm-hmm. somewhat, whatever fitness education. Um, but you know, if, if it's someone who's only been in the industry a year versus 20, you know, just do your research and be smart about, you know, the knowledge there, but still, someone could be doing it for 20 years and not be good either. So it doesn't That's true. mean that, The, the, the years you've been doing, it's just, if you've been doing it that long and been able to make a living, you've probably done a good enough job that you've been able to keep getting more and more clients too. Um, I do think that a coach who has competed him or herself is a huge thing, whether they were a good competitor or not, I don't think that matters, but just having gone through it or at least knowing what a prep is, you know, the, the emotions through a prep to help you get through that. I think that is huge. But to me, um, do they, again, that, that gut instinct of, do they truly care about you as a person? Because the health part of it, I tell people, and I, um, I, I, I actually have taken a little bit of a step back from coaching, uh, competitors, just as I've gotten into judging more, but as I used to coach competitors a lot, I mean, I always tell people my biggest goal is to let you eat as much as you can and give you as little cardio as possible. Well, to one person, that's going to be 200 grams of carbs every single day. And the refeed week with 20 minutes of cardio twice, three times a week. And I had that. Yep. The next person, it is zero carbs and it is an hour plus a day. And honestly myself, um, as I was younger competing, I maybe did 10 minutes of cardio. The last couple of shows I've done, it was pushing two hours. Mm. It just is, you know, And then that has to be your own personal decision. And as a coach, I like to make sure and communicate with my clients. If you feel like it's too much and you're just pushing your limit, you need to let me know to some people. Their limit is, is, is you're willing to do more and you're okay with that. I was always willing to do whatever, but then you have to be smart about your reverse plan afterwards. And that's another thing as a coach. I, if, if someone did not want to continue with check-ins, I still gave them a, a, a guideline to follow. So it wasn't like, Oh, See you later, right. and Because you can't just let that person hanging, even if, I mean, I get it. You maybe don't want to, you can't afford, I mean, it's all expensive. If you can't afford it anymore or you just need a break, like you can't just let a client hanging. So mm-hmm. I always make sure they have a guideline or you just continue with check-ins for eight more weeks or something to help reverse properly out of that because the reverse is more important than the prep itself as far as your health, really. Yeah. I've gone through some bad reverses. I've learned. Um, and then after my first couple of shows where they were just bad, <laughs> you learn, you know, and right. I've had reverses the last probably four or five shows I've done. We've been,
1: And I think the key to reverse is it's, there's the physical aspect, right? And, but then the mental aspect of a reverse diet. And, and that's cause if you have a bad physical aspect, you're, you're going to mind fuck yourself. And then, uh, male, female doesn't matter. You just, you have a hard time with it, especially in an Instagram world. Um, you pro cards, uh, everybody's like, I want to, I want my pro card. And I'm, I always ask them like, why? What's your reason? Right. They don't, they don't, you don't have sponsorship dollars like they had 10 years ago. Supplement companies don't sponsor pros as much as they used to. So for you, Kathy, what was your, why, why did you want your your pro card?
0: You know, when I first started competing, as I kind of mentioned, like, I didn't know what the NPC, IFBB, honestly, when I did my first national level show, I did it because my coach said, Oh, you should go do Chicago. I didn't even know what a pro card was. I didn't do it for a pro card. I didn't know. I did it because I loved it and I knew that would be a bigger show and I wanted to challenge myself, which that was the whole experience. But um, once I learned, once I went to that show and my eyes were opened as to what the ISBB is, like who these pros were. I mean, I've always just been a very competitive person in general sports, whatever it is, just always very competitive. And I knew that was like the pinnacle of the sport. And I wanted to be that. I just knew in my heart after that first national level show that that would be me someday. Now, it took me a really long time. I wasn't one blessed to just have the, you know, amazing structure. And, you know, I had to really work for it. But I knew in my heart. It was, I just wanted that. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, initially my goal was to be able to be a pro and be really competitive as a pro, you know, life that has not been, I was able to earn my pro card, but the pro level is a whole nother level. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I was just, I'm so fortunate and blessed to be able to say that I did earn that and um I, you know it'll never be able it'll never be taken away from me, right so. give me a second i'm trying to select the
1: appropriate weapon uh watch where you're in, them snakes all around you know they connected so count your days hold up let me count the ways you gon' pay when i spot you i'm coming straight through to your face no foreplay coming alive Whoa! Ask you a question as a competitor, whether pro previous to pro, did you ever blame a judge for your placing?
0: So, I, it's talking politics, right?
1: Yeah, something like that, right? (laughs)
0: Like that. You know, so I like to split my years of competing into like the first round and the second round, right? I competed nine times from 2011 to 2013. As I kind of alluded to my first couple shows, I had no clue what I was doing. I stepped on stage thinking I needed to be skinny and have shredded abs. Mm -hmm. Right? So that was basically my first four shows. That was my mentality. I wasn't understanding why girls bigger than me and seemingly not as lean were winning. I didn't understand. I did a lot of clothing, but I didn't understand what I needed to be like presenting while I was posing. I, I knew the poses, but I wasn't understanding it. Sure. So locally I always did well, but like I kind of, like I just said, my very first national show, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I was fine. I wasn't expecting much. I ended up placing 13th at my first national show. So I did place, but you know, that's not sure. Top 10. So once I learned that I was like, Oh, I'm getting my pro card next year. So I went into 2012 thinking, I'm, get, I'm winning this. Mm-hmm. Well, my second national show, I didn't even place. That was the you know, 16th place. Yeah. And what I was, of course, they didn't judge that right. They missed me. They didn't right. see me or whatever. So I did the next national level show like four weeks, six weeks later. I ended up getting 12. But, you know, that's still not like, oh, the judges were wrong. It's, they, you know, that's when I started to think. The judges are wrong. They don't know what they're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Well, and that happened one more year, 2013. I won two overalls, went into another national level show, 15th place, right? Like I just couldn't crack that top 10. I wasn't getting noticed. And I thought it was politics. Judges didn't know what they were doing. They missed me, blah, blah, blah. How could I and all the work I've done not be enough? How could I, you know, but again, I wasn't understanding. I did learn, but I didn't at that point know the history. I didn't, I wasn't a judge at that point. I didn't know what the judges were looking for. I did not understand the criteria. So with little knowledge is when I blame politics slash judging. As I I took a I took a three-year break, 20 to 13 to 20 to 16, 2013 to 2016, I took a break. I still lifted eight. I immersed myself in the sport, though I learned the history, I learned the criteria, I started judging, I was very heavily involved with expediting, and I just learned and When I came back in two thousand and sixteen to compete again, i still I started cracking the top ten, I placed top five many times, I got second, hmm. I never won yet, but I could fully step back and understand why i wasn 't winning and what I needed to work on and In that amount of time, I got to know judges. I got judges feedback. I stayed in touch with these judges. I emailed them in my off season and leading into shows. I talked to them at shows. The more I got to know judges, the less and less and less and less. And now I think there's zero. I I know so many judges, my own judging panel, national level judges, Olympia level judges. I see no politics. I see no agendas. When I use politics as an excuse, that's exactly what it was. It was not good enough. I didn't bring what I needed to bring and it couldn't be my fault. It's the easiest excuse in the book. So when I hear people say it's the judge's fault, it's politics. It's because that's the easiest excuse in the book. So, um, learn your criteria, get to know your judges, get their feedback, understand what they're trying to tell you. Again, I've met, I know my, you know, my husband has, Olympia judges in his phone, they text, they know us by, like, we know these judges and they are some of the kindest, most passionate people that if you go talk to them, they will talk to you for as long as you need to help you understand what you need to do. They, they're not scary. They want to help. I was always terrified to talk to them, but now knowing what I know, I, it's the best thing I could have ever done
1: is get to know those judges. So. I, I know the the show that you judged up here in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago, I think you said you, were, you guys were responding to feedback like weeks after. So many people reached out and asked you guys for feedback, which is great. Um, but there is a human element to it, right? Like as you get to know these competitors, there's an emotional connection. How hard is it then when you see somebody walk that stage that you've befriended because you got yep. to play that line, right? And you, yep. you, you look at them and you know the hard work they put in, but they just don't size up to the person next to him? Like how hard is it from a human standpoint to say no?
0: So I truly believe, um, okay, so I, it is not illegal to talk to a judge. It is not illegal to get judges feedback and see those judges. So if someone says, oh, they know that judge, that judge knows that person. Is that illegal? Is it wrong? No, they're, and I don't want to say playing the game, but kind of like you have got to get yourself in front of those judges. And some of that is so that, and especially when we're talking big shows, and some local shows are really big, but definitely national level shows, you've got 30 to 60 people in a class, you know, it's a lot of physique. And if you know someone, oh, I recognize that person. Right. You're gonna get a look. Now, that being said, you gotta bring it. Right. If, If they recognize you, but they actually, if, if you're here and they give you feedback and you bring the exact same thing the next show, it's actually going to probably hurt you. Sure. You don't improve. It's not a good thing. You're probably going to actually be like, oh, he didn't listen to me. She didn't improve. She didn't do it. What, did, what has she been doing the last year? You know, that's not it. You've got to improve. You've got to bring it. Just because they know you doesn't mean that you just automatically get it. Right. But they do, but they can see progress. You don't get rewarded for that because if you've progressed, I mean, if you've progressed, but your competition is still here and you're, you're not there yet, you're, that's where you, where you will be judged at. Mm-hmm. And again, I see that, I mean, I got to know these judges very well, and I still, you know, took a very long time on the national circuit. Just because I knew them doesn't mean they gave me a nod. They maybe noticed me a little quicker, like, oh, there's that girl who's been talking to me for nine years, you <laughs> still, you know, like, she's... so, but without that judges feedback and that connection, you, you kind of just flounder a little bit. You gotta have, you gotta have that direction and the judges are, yeah, and you just gotta listen to your judges.
1: How difficult is it for a comparative to do multi, multiple divisions? So like, right, like classic physique and open uh, different poses, um, but there's different criteria, right? So like, I mean, from a standpoint of a competitor, I'm, I'm sure that's difficult. From a judge, I don't know if, it, if it's any different. Like, hey, I just saw this guy in, in classic trunks, and now he's up here in, in the open. But, like, what type of feedback can you give on that?
0: So, okay, we start. If, we start, we're, if we're really talking criteria, and I'm going to use Olympia, high-level pro-level mm-hmm. criteria. You should never see someone who does phenomenal in one division – do phenomenal in the next, right? As a pro, once you're a pro, you're a pro. You could do, I win my pro carding figure, I could do wellness, I could do women's physique, I could do whatever, right? Right. But you, I mean, you better not like if you're good in figure or you're good in men's physique, <clears throat> I mean, you that should be your division. Now you start pulling it to a local level where a lot of time. You, I don't want to – okay. So a lot of times locally, conditioning is not – so you go to a national level show, everyone's yeah. conditioned, right? I know you're going Look, with this. Yeah. You just don't see that everyone's conditioned, right? So you might get a men's physique athlete that is conditioned and spot on and everything. And then he, he's in also in classic physique. Well, if no one else is conditioned in that – I mean a lot of times conditioning is what – brings you to the top locally because there's a lot of people don't have the muscle maturity or don't have the knowledge to get as conditioned as they need to be. So locally, you might see people win multiple divisions and that can get a little confusing. But it's not necessarily wrong either. But if we start talking national level and for sure pro level, you should never see someone. Those criteria are very specific you know we always look to the olympia uh, the olympia winners as the pinnacle of each division and none of them look like the next but you just don't see that locally you know sometimes locally a, a conditioned figure girl is also going to be the conditioned women's physique girl and it just is what it is yeah
1: for <laughs> sure from a from a judging standpoint, we I hear this quite a bit too, is like, well, they, they came in today, and you said there's no politics, but I'm just gonna put this out there. Like they came in looking for size today, or they came in looking for conditioning, right? So like oh. size versus conditioning, how cause you I you look at the Olympia and look at Big Rami this year. He finally wins it. Years prior, too big, too big. He's not gonna win unless he he drops twenty five pounds, I think, came in, peeled, won the Olympia. Conditioning versus size versus symmetry. Like, is there a bullet a checklist for you guys to be like, Yep, yep, yep?
0: So Criteria, muscle size and shape. Um, sometimes more with women, I talk a little more shape because mm-hmm. it's not a, like how big you are, it's more the shape. And that comes from building muscle to create the shape. Guys, especially classic and bodybuilding, yeah, bigger, 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 you know, you're right. really pushing on the size. So muscle size and shape, muscle conditioning, and then symmetry and proportions. Wellness, of course, being a little offset yeah. top to bottom, but there still has to be a flow there. But front to back, side to side, we still want that symmetry and you know it's got a flow. And then posing, you mm-hmm. have to be able to present that. So the first three things, when I give feedback, I always list those things and try to help explain what they are. Muscle size and shape. Bodybuilding is obsessed with that X, that V taper. Like mm-hmm. we want to see within the shoulders, tapered into a tiny waist with good sweep through the legs, right? Like we wanna see this, okay? Now you might just have a structure where you're built that way. Mm -hmm. I like to use myself as an example. I like have the worst structure in the world. I have narrow set shoulders and a wide waist and narrow hips. So I'm literally built like this. So my feedback is constantly to grow my shoulders and back, I mean, I've gotten the same feedback for 10 years. Yeah. So your shoulders come back. And I didn't initially understand that. It's, it's building off your structure. I might have bigger muscle than the next girl already, but she's just got a better shape because yep. she's just genetically built this way. So the muscle shape and size, now that is not more important or less important than conditioning. And that's for each division. That's really hard to get into because obviously every division is so specific. Yeah. My biggest thing I tell people there is, you know, again, if I always just use figure cause that's my, that's my division. So it's my brain. But if you're a figure girl and you're confused on your level of conditioning, get to know bikini and women's physique and you'll understand more where you fit. So many times we focus on only our division and you can't understand it because right. winners sometimes might be more or less shredded. But if you understand what you're sandwiched in between, you're going to understand your, your line a little bit better, if that makes sense. Same with guys. But conditioning is not more important than size, which is not more important than the balance.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? You can have phenomenal quads, but if your upper body doesn't match, right. I don't want to look at a competitor and go, oh, my gosh, look at his quads. Or did you see his back? Or look at her shoulders? Like if, if a judge is remembering you because of your one specific muscle group, you're not balanced. You want a judge to be like, oh my gosh, look at that guy. Like, look at her. I, don't, I like to describe it as like, my eye kinda just dances around a person because I don't know even where to look because it just all flows right beautifully, right? And again, we're looking for that taper into your waist. Bodybuilding, I'm gonna call it an X-frame and other divisions as well. It's of course still just a little different, but it, you gotta have that shape. Then you gotta be conditioned. And you got to be balanced
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then you have to be able to present it. Yep. You know, I've stood in lines at, in fact, actually the show where I ended up winning my pro card. I remember thinking backstage, I should just go home. These girls in front of me are phenomenal. They're again. I know my weakness is I don't have the best shape and these girls just standing there have better shape than I do when I'm posing. Well, I'm on stage, I get put in the middle, I'm like, okay, I'm obviously beating these girls I thought I was going to get slammed by, and then looking at pictures, I'm not trying to like, tear me down, but you know, they, they, you know, the posing wasn't there, you weren't presenting what you have correctly, right. which actually hurt them, They probably could have beaten me, you know, so it's being able to present what you have, we, we want to see the shape, you have to be conditioned, and then the balance, now, again, locally, are you going to get all those three things? Probably not. Right. Now we have to find the person that fits most of the boxes the best. Yep. If, um, I'm going to use this as an example. If this is the standard, right. Yep. And this is too shredded and this is not shredded enough. You know, there might be someone that's not quite shredded enough and then someone who's really shredded. Mm-hmm. Well, this person fits a little bit better. Right. Assuming they have maybe both very similar yeah. shapes. Right. So the less shredded person might win and you might look and be like, okay, that person is not lean enough, but this person is just striated and feathering and way too lean, Mm -hmm. right? Now, the next show, it might be the opposite. Someone's a little too much, but then no one else is even close to lean enough. Then the two, you know, and you know that. I mean, you hear it all the time. You have to look at the lineup. You have to know judges we're picking from. I would even say Olympia winners at times aren't perfect. Right. I'm sure feedback as to what to fix. We're all human. Yeah. You, know? it's, you have to just keep, um, again, getting your feedback. Um, you know, the, if you're not quite shredded enough, then the next time you need to keep your shape, keep your balance, keep your posing come in a little tighter, a little yeah. drier. Yeah.
1: So, Let's talk about uh, bodybuilding is the – pretty much the only sport with a subjective outcome, right? I mean, you look at football, there's touchdowns. You look at baseball, there's home runs and whatever. Subjectivity um, involved in the sport. Some people have called it a beauty pageant mixed with some sport. Like, there is a little bit of beauty. There is some pageantry to it. Absolutely. Uh, In terms of, like, the subjectivity and when you discuss bodybuilding as a sport, easy conversation for you to have?
0: The more I learned about the sport. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I didn't understand it as much and I was confused as to what the judges were looking for. Sure. It's, it's hard to understand how a judge judges or how someone wins or doesn't win. My husband likes to say, if, if they didn't want it to be an objective sport, they'd create a machine to analyze you and we'd pick a winner. Right. You know, we're human. Judges are human. Um, after the USA's last weekend, we sat with some of the judges after the show, and literally one of them said, "You know, a lot of times judges kind of sway towards what they did when they were competing." You know, because again, if I'm talking, again, like what I was just showing, there's the pinnacle what we want to see. Someone's a little too shredded, and maybe not as good of shape. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times too shredded, you're a little stringy and don't have that round fullness. Right. Okay and then there's someone that has beautiful shape, the round muscle bellies, beautiful shape, but not quite shredded enough, right? So you you that's where you get to know your judging panel and who's going to be judging you. There are going to be judges if there's no one here and you got two people that are equally off on opposite things. Right. Some judges are going to sway more towards shape, some judges are going to sway more towards conditioning. If it's if it's super, super close. Now, again, if it's way off,
1: right, there matter.
0: should be a question. Yep. Right? So, you know, you get the, oh, West Coast, East Coast, this, that, <laughs> this judge goes towards... Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to make a decision. Right. I've in seminars where, you know, Sandy and Steve, who are the top judges yeah. in the world, will say they argue all day long over first and second. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong. No. And I tell our local judges, I'm like... I do not want to spoon feed you. Yes, we will be moving people around on stage. Now, I don't want to argue first and 10. Mm -hmm. I don't want to argue first and fifth. First and second, second and third, even first and third. You know, sometimes it is one point difference. And if one judge had been different, the other person wins. It's not, it is objective and it is a black and white. And that's just what we sign up for. I don't think that's ever going to go away because we're all human with our own interpretation of what you know what should be the winning look if it's very close again sometimes it's not even a question then it's straight ones across the board and it's not even a question
1: so the piggyback off that then can judges get it wrong oh Uh, mm. (laughs) tough question i know because i'm obviously you don't want to be but like going back looking at pictures looking at footage Can you be wrong? So
0: I, the judging panels, I've been a head judge of, I always go back through the scores. I go back, I watch the scores at final. I learned that actually from Sandy. That's exactly what she does. She watches those scores. She takes notes. Um, Sandy's amazing. If you ever get the chance to talk to her, do it. Um, But she, or going through the, the, the shows I've been a head judge of, going back through pictures, I've been more confident that we've gotten it right after the fact, going through it. Now, again, that's my experience. Um, I have, I've been a head judge for two years, so it's not like that's been 10 years of right. shows. Um, I will say, you know, I used to always hear Sandy say this in seminars also years ago. She would always say, you know, in pictures, you look a little harder and you look a little bigger. And I'd be like, wow, whatever. 100% true. I sat front and center, judged a show, looked at pictures the next day. That is not what you see. Pictures, I mean, it's what we have to go by, pictures and videos, it really is. But you can't look at pictures after the fact and say, you know, it, it, it is different when you're seeing it. The judges I've learned from, oh man, they've been doing this for decades right. at national and pro level. And I mean, decades, and they are so good. I trust them 100%, 100%. We're all human. I do feel we're all, you know, we're all human. Mistakes can happen, but I, you know, I might look at pictures and be like, oh man, but I completely trust that when they were sitting in that pit, that is what was correct. Right. Right. I've been at national level shows where, you know, I've sat in the front row looking at bikini and I'll never forget this. It was um, Nationals 2019. My husband and I were up there and we were watching bikini and it's a bikini after bikini after bikini. I think we sat through the first five classes. And then after that, we walked to the back and we were halfway back through the auditorium. Up front, I had no question. I was one, two, three, you know, picking them out, being able to have no question. You, you walk back five to 10 rows. I'm like, I don't know they all look good right so even if you're five rows back there is a difference between being right there and I don't care who you are as much as you see shows I mean you can learn a lot believe me but when you have to be there and make those decisions it's a whole different story and it moves fast so I don't know at the end of the day I 100% trust those judges um you know, local level judges usually don't have quite as much experience as a national level judge, but in our district, we do require two years of test judging and you have to pass, and you have to make sure you're on the same Mm -hmm. where we allow you to be a judge. And then we watch your scores. We watch all of our judges scores to make sure they're looking somewhat in the realm of, you know, we're not way off. And I trust our judges, you know, at the end of the day, these judges, Study the sport and have been in the sport for a long time. And I, I do trust them.
1: So right. Let's talk. The last thing we'll talk about here as we wrap this up is the Olympia last year was, was cool it, for me. It was the best produced show I've ever been to in my life. Um, it, but to me, so I come from like a pro wrestling background. That's what I wanted to do. So like I walked in, like this is pro wrestling. Like this is exactly it. loud music, big screens, huge stage. Then going back to the twin cities open that was here in Minneapolis production, very well done, uh, being a promoter and putting on shows, bodybuilding feels like it's back. Like I feel like it's, I mean, with what the Olympia committee is doing up there and, and you know what we just saw locally, how important is it as a promoter then to have a production aspect of the show, to attract the best talent, to sell tickets because at the end of the day, you don't want to lose money on this stuff. You need to make some money because you put a bunch of time into it.
0: Right. So, I'm going to, my husband has been promoting for 18 years this year. He's been in the sport four, oh, I shouldn't, I'm not going to say he's that old and say forever, <laughs> but he's doing this a very long time. Right. And about five four oh gosh, I'm going to say five years ago, give or take a little bit. He started to look at the stage and it was banners on the stage. And he's like, there's got to be something better, you mm-hmm. know? And he started to bring in the screens and the video and the, trying to make it more of a production. Right. And he's got such a good mind for that. My brain, I'm very analytical. I'm very like two and two is four. Like I'm yep. a number. That's I think why I love like head judging. And I'm a, like, I'm very organized in that sense. He's got that creative mind that he can just think of things and they're amazing. Right. I will say nationally also the protections have like skyrocketed over the last two years when I would compete nationally. It, you know, you kind of, you go and you compete. Now it's an event. If you were at USA's Two weeks ago, that production was like incredible. Yeah,
1: I've seen pictures it was of it.
0: Amazing things I've ever been to. Tarek and Tamer Elgundi. T- Tamer is part of the Olympia production team. I think he heads it actually. I mean, they're incredible. I think they push the limits and push the bar on that production. It's not a show; it's an event. Yep. And that is the difference of oh, I'll stay home and just watch it online or get the updates online versus I want to be there. Mm-hmm. That's the difference, and. I know my husband's heart is in that and he wants to so bad. I know, you know, when he took over Minnesota, he brought in Bob Chagrillo and, you know, guest all these guest posers and the script, you know, trying to make it happen. And 2019 was a little bit of a rough year. And then obviously last year was a little bit of a rough year. And it's very expensive to do those things. It's very, it's very yeah. put on big production. It's very expensive. And it's been a challenge, you know, to keep it going. Um, but his heart is just, he wants so badly to keep it going. He's been doing it for so long. Um, yes, the Twin Cities Open it was an amazing production, and it was so fun. And again, an event to be at. Right. And it felt like that. So that's I 100% believe that that is part of wanting to, that. gift makes you want to get on stage. And it makes you want to be there. Um, you know, it, it's very hard to make money off a show if you put on a good show because those shows are tens of thousands of dollars. You can add up how many tickets and all the tickets cost this and oh my gosh, they made so much money. It all goes into the show. I we've never made it like making money off shows a lot. It is. Yeah. It's not as easy as it might seem, but the production level is what makes it fun. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: It's cool. I mean, it's, it's for me, that as a as a fan, I like it. Uh, I think as a competitor, you're attracted to it. It's like I want to step on stage again next year, uh, and then hopefully, you attract the best of the best. So that way, the you know the, the competition goes up. So uh, very good, informative stuff on this, Kathy. I, like we've always, you know, to your point about like you know you've seen pictures and they look different, and that's where I see it, like on Instagram, they'll post a picture of the top three and be like, look at me versus this guy. Well, that's not what they see in the pit, and um, you know, it's good to get perspective because. I have friends who compete that still maybe don't fully understand the criteria or what you guys are necessarily looking for. Um, and, and not just locally in Minneapolis, but like everywhere. Anybody can listen to this podcast and realize, okay, so maybe I should start a conversation with these judges. Um, what's as we, as we wrap up the podcast, what is the best piece of advice that you can leave competitors with as a judge?
0: Can I give two? Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> One will be shorter. So the first thing I – tell people all the time is learn the history of the sport. You don't know where it's going. You don't understand where it's at if you don't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. If you can't say you know, the first Mr. Olympia, the first Miss Olympia, if you can't name those people, you don't have to know every detail. But if you don't understand the progression of the sport, you're not going to just come in in year one or two of your own competitive level and change 40 years of bodybuilding. You have to understand the why and respect that because you know, if, if someone came into your profession that you've been doing for five, 10, 15 years and as a newbie think, oh, I know it all, I'm gonna change it and make it better, you get a little offended, right? right. Like these guys have year, decades of experience, you have to respect that and understand it. As soon as I started doing that, watching documentaries, yeah. there's so much information online, like just Google it, it's not hard. <laughs> so that's my first piece of advice. Learn the history of especially your own division. And then the second piece of advice, of course, is going to be, I mean, yeah, there's so much information out there, but know your, you know, watch the pros, watch your pro judges, get to know them. Um, And that probably starts with your local level judges. As you're a local competitor, get to know your local judges and respect it. You know, these people have a huge passion for it. We don't get paid to do these things. These are a hobby for us too. I have two full-time jobs. My husband has a full-time job. We don't, you know, this is all a hobby for us too. Mm So respect their time and their knowledge and absorb it and understand that just because you maybe don't turn pro your first year or first two years doesn't mean the potential isn't there. I think anyone can do it. You just have to understand that no one can cheat the time that it takes. No one can cheat the time it takes to build dense muscle, to create shape. To get lean enough, like it all just takes time. So respect your elders, you might say. Learn from them. Be—it's not wrong to be competitive and want to win, but be humble while you do it. Mm-hmm. And and from there, I think the sky's the limit.
1: Yeah, I love it, and I'll, I'll even echo that by something Charles Griffin said at the TCO is like enjoy your time at these shows because a snap of the fingers and it's over. You just put in 16, 20 weeks, whatever. And I always tell people too, like, enjoy the process and the progress. Don't become obsessive with perfection because it doesn't exist. So just enjoy everything that goes into it. You would know better than anybody, obviously putting in your bodybuilding career, but I thank you for coming on and sharing the wealth of knowledge. Uh, I loved it. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. This was a blast and an honor. Thank you
1: enjoyed the podcast with Kathy Camper. I, I did. you know. And, and the thing is, for me, I've actually never stepped foot on a stage and competed. I went through the prep. I went through the motions to get there, and COVID you know, robbed me of that opportunity. And it is what it is, and I don't know if I'll ever step on stage, but the understanding of the criteria, I think, is super important. The fact is, it's like pro wrestling. After a match, we ask the veterans in the locker room, we ask for feedback. Ask your judges for feedback. Understand the history of the sport. Watch some documentaries. I think many... Competitors and striving competitors can learn a lot from this podcast because there are so many people on social media who are so quick to point the finger at somebody else, specifically the judges, and say, they robbed me of what I should have won. And I thought it was super interesting that she talked about like, hey, when you're in that pit, you see one thing. When you see pictures the next day, you see another. You have to judge on what you see in that pit because what you see in that pit is real. Loved it. Make sure you follow her on social media. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Help us out by writing us a review. Helps out the algorithm. More people can listen to the podcast and enjoy these great episodes. Follow us on social media Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. And make sure you visit our official website, fitnessinformant.com, for all things dietary, supplement reviews, rankings, news deals, workout routines, and nutrition plans. Until next time, I am FIC Hope, CEO, Ryan Buckeye. Be informed, live fit, and let's fucking go.